Christians do good works. We don't do it to get saved. We're like, man, thank you, Lord. And because you've done so much for me, I'm going to help this person. You don't do it to get saved. You do it because you're saved. And you'll know if you're in a workspace system, thinking you're going to work your way to heaven, is if every time you fail doing it, you think that God doesn't love you anymore. That's proof that you're in a workspace system. There are people in the world who are merchandising the gospel, taking advantage of people who are seeking God taking the free gift of Jesus and putting a price on him for their own benefit. As we'll hear in Pastor Daniel's teaching today, people were warned of the same thing in the book of Exodus. Listen in as we consider the spiritual relevance of the practices in the tabernacle and how they remain. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Final Details. ways we live in an entitlement minded culture now i realize when i say entitlements a lot of you process that through the political view of entitlements but entitlement means the rules don't apply to me i get in just because i want to be in when i was growing up if you took a test and you got six out of ten wrong they gave you an f today they give you a you need to do a little better buddy Because we're concerned about kids feeling bad about themselves, we don't actually tell them if they're doing well or not. Because if you tell them that they're not doing great, then somehow you're demeaning their humanity. And and don't get me wrong, I don't think we should be overly hard on children, but at the same time, you can't tell children that they can do whatever they want in life because guess what? That's just not true. Kids can't do anything they want in life. I'd love to be a center in the NBA. I'd love that. But there's never once been a five foot seven inch center in the NBA. So in the name of self-esteem, you're actually setting me up for failure by telling me I can do whatever I want because it's not true. I can't be a center in the NBA. In the same way, I can't be a nose tackle in the NFL. There's not 180 pound nose tackles in the NFL. And at the same time, I can never give birth to a child. No matter how cool I think that might be. I was thinking that today. We heard the heartbeat of my, my little child in, my, in, in Lynn's womb. And I thought to myself, how cool that's living in Lynn's belly right now. And then I thought to myself, it'd be cool if it was living in my belly right now. <laughs> and then I felt totally demeaned as a person because I'm a male. It's like, I'm like, Lord, that's so unfair. See... Everybody doesn't have their name on the guest list for heaven just because they're alive. That's what the census tax reminds us. That in order to keep unity with God, someone needs to pay. And it's a price that none of us can pay that Jesus paid in our place. That's the Christian gospel. Every other religion tells you if you do X, Y, and Z, God will accept you. 
And some, it's just like, yeah, if you go visit this place, and if you don't eat any meat, and, and if you don't eat any alcohol, and you pray these five times a day, then you get it. Or someone else will say, look, you got to sit in this crooked leg position, and you need to meditate on nothing, and at some point you'll get in. Or, 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 or. It's amazing how many self-salvation plans exist today. I was talking to someone just recently, like, you just need to be a, a good person, you need to vote Democrat. I was like, really? You know? Okay, you know? Hey, let's be honest. Some of you think you need to be a good person and vote Republican. So either on either side of it, everyone's got a self-salvation plan. But religion tells you you need to do these things and you get into heaven. Christianity tells you, the gospel tells you, that you can't do the things to get into heaven. Jesus did it for you. And all you can do is say thank you. And because you say thank you to the free gift of salvation, that life of gratitude in response to such an awesome gift is the way Christians do good works. We don't do it to get saved. We're like, man, thank you, Lord. And because you've done so much for me, I'm going to help this person. You don't do it to get saved. You do it because you're saved. And you'll know if you're in a workspace system, thinking you're going to work your way to heaven, is if every time you fail doing it, you think that God doesn't love you anymore. That's proof that you're in a workspace system. But the gospel says that God loves you because God is love. And God sent Jesus to die for you because you were going to fail anyway. But God still loves you and is for you and wants to do a great work in your life. So this census tax, this ransom money, this half shekel for everybody is meant to remind us that in order to stay in fellowship with God, somebody needs to pay. And notice, it's the exact same amount for everybody. Think about that. It didn't matter how wealthy or how impoverished you are. Every person was redeemed the exact same way. The exact same way. And don't miss that. Now, I know some of you want to take that, you want to pull that into tax theory and stuff like that. And that, that's a decent discussion for another day. But the reality is, is everyone gets saved the exact same way. Through the finished work of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of discussion in here, of course, about that it needs to happen so that a plague doesn't happen. Now, you have to realize that censuses were taken from a ruler who wanted to know how big his military was. If you recall, later in the Bible, King David gets in trouble for taking a census when God didn't want him to because he wanted to figure out how militarily strong his nation was. So what's interesting about the census is God wants to make sure it's done for the right reasons, not just to know how strong we are, how many nations we can take on, and the like. It was important to the Lord. So he wanted to make sure that nobody abused, no king abused the census tax. Now notice also, what was the census tax used for? It was used to take care of the sanctuary. That's what it was used for. This was money for the upkeep of the house of the Lord. Why? Because God cares how he's worshipped. We've seen that all the way through, right? God cares how he's worshipped. So people all the time will say to me, Pastor Daniel, so what do our tithe dollars go for? And it goes to all sorts of things. And one of the things it goes for is, of course, the upkeep of our building, the place that we worship. Now, I realize some people say, well, that's not really a good use of the Lord's money. And I would say, well, come on. 
You know, it's like we all spend money for the upkeep of our house or the place we're renting, right? So, so we all have a joint care for the house of God. And this census tax was used for that and for the procuring of all the sac- animals for sacrifice and all these other things that we will see. Now, a half shekel by rate was about one-fifth of an ounce. That's what it was. That's about the size of it. So not very big at all. And the money that was collected, it, it was about a half day's wage for a person. That was what a half shekel was. So a shekel was the one day's wage for the average worker. And so a half shekel was a half day's wage. So that's kind of what that is. Now next, in verse 17, we get the bronze labor. Notice what it says, verse 17. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a labor of bronze, with its base also of bronze, for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water with it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting and when they come near the altar to minister to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. Now, the bronze laver. Now, this is fascinating. When you were to walk into the outer courts, through that one way into the outer courts, you would run right into the brazen altar, that bronze. It was, a, it was like a big grill. It was where all the sacrifices were cooked and set fire to it. In between that brazen altar and the actual tabernacle meeting was this big bowl that had water in it. You notice there's no dimensions. Most likely it was circular. And it sat between the altar and the tent. And what was it for? It was simply for washing. And what's unique about this, of course, is that nobody understood germs in that culture. And the fact that God, who created everything, realized all of these sacrifices, all of these animals, that cleanliness was actually important. You know, they say cleanliness is next to what? To godliness. Now, I don't know where that came from. I didn't find that in my Bible. But it is true that when you're dealing with animals, if you don't wash your hands, you could get what? Germs. Every time I go to put chicken on the grill and I put some, some raw chicken, I was like, you better wash those hands. Right? And all the women are like, yeah, yeah. God put that into the worship of the children of Israel. It was not common in that day. So the fact God realized that in dealing with animals and sacrifices and cooking and all these things, that cleanliness should happen. Now, if you think about this bronze laver, this bronze basin, we find out later that it was actually made from the mirrors of women, the bronze mirrors of women. Now, I don't want to make a a, a funny application, but you could have fun with that later. Some people like to make some fun applications with that. But if you think about this, this, it's a bowl that's full of water that ultimately by the end of a day would be full of water mixed with what? With blood. When they gave Jesus, when they speared him in the side of if he was alive, what came out? Water and blood. That's right. That's right. See, this idea of cleansing or washing That's why the Apostle Paul said that husbands should wash their wives in the water of the word. Because 
God's word has a cleansing agent to it. The baptism was a type of ceremonial washing. Remember when John the Baptist was doing it for repentance at the Jordan? People were confessing their sins. They were going under the water and coming out being like, I'm declaring my uncleanness and I'm getting cleansed from it. And ultimately, Jesus finishes that work by burying our sins at the cross and being resurrected from the dead. But in this, now you have this cleansing agent, this idea that it was important for the priests to take care of themselves so that the people stayed safe. So there's the bronze labor. Now, we get the holy anointing oil, picking up in verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil. Does that sound good? Sorry. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, with all its utensils, and the labor and its base. You shall consecrate them, that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. Verse 31, And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me. Throughout your generations, it shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy. It shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it and whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from the people. Now, this is the special anointing oil. That's what it is. God has a very special mixture. You notice a hint of olive oil was about a gallon in modern measurement. So you have olive oil mixed with um, all these different spices, myrrh, cinnamon, uh, cane, cassia, all mixed together, done by a perfumer. It's the holy anointing oil, and it's only used for the things of the tabernacle. That's what it's used. It's used to set it apart. Now, of course... Oil is a picture of what in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pictured by oil. So the idea is the oil is what consecrates something for the master's use. And that is why, as Christians, we believe that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you, thus setting you apart for service. If you've ever seen an ordination ceremony, oftentimes we'll anoint somebody with oil. It's a symbol of saying, Lord, let your spirit be upon this person for this specific work. And this anointing oil was meant to only be used for the consecration of the temple and the priests for nothing else. So far, if you notice that it said that, no one else should make a copy of it. Nobody should put it on just anybody or a foreigner. If you do that, it's punishable by death. That's what it means to be cut off from the people. It means to be destroyed from amongst the people. Why? Because God knew, God knew that people would like to merchandise. 
on this stuff. I don't know how many times I've gone out and, and, you know, there'll be like a little, buy this special anointing oil with Rose of Sharon from the Holy Land, and it's only $19.95. You know what I mean? And you're kind of like, someone took a little olive oil, put a little rose smell in it, put it in this thing, and they're selling to you for $19.95, and it costs about 30 cents. Some of you are saying, I bought that stuff. It's not about the oil. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You don't need to pay for the Holy Spirit. He's a free gift from God because of your faith in Jesus. Anytime you need to pay somebody to pray for you or to give you the special blessing, that's all gobbledygook. You don't need any of it. Don't let anybody merchandise you in the name of God. And I need to say that because if you watch TV, especially late at night, there's all sorts of people on TV and they say all sorts of things. And don't believe everything you hear on TV or everything you see on YouTube. Okay? Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Do you ever see there's a commercial out now where the woman goes out with a French model? Yeah, you guys know that commercial? I love that commercial. He's like, bonjour. He's totally, he looks like me, a little weird, like Neanderthal looking. Bonjour. He's like a French model. Makes me laugh. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. And don't let anybody merchandise you with the gospel. You don't need special anointing oil for the healing of your sickness. You need the power of God and a good doctor often. I mean, Seriously. Because people, I mean, I was watching this show one time, guys like, listen, I have these special anointed rags, and if you send a, a sow a seed of $1,000, we'll send you this special rag. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope nobody's buying that. I'm starting praying, like, Lord, give your people wisdom. Because the guy's wearing like a $6,000 suit. And you're like, man, people are actually buying this stuff? Don't, don't buy that stuff. It makes people laugh at the gospel. Don't sign your house over to somebody on TV thinking that you're going to get a bigger house. Don't do that stuff. God doesn't want the things of him to be merchandised. He doesn't like it. That's why I said, look, if anyone starts making, uh, this is kind of like the special holy anointing, don't, they should be killed. That's what he says. That's how God feels about that stuff. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. I used to say things like, I bet there's a special place in hell for those people who rip people off in the name of Jesus. And I realized that I shouldn't say that because hell sounds like a horrible place and we're all saved by the grace of God. Okay, so I repent of that publicly. But realistically speaking, it's a horrible thing. Jesus' free gift of salvation that people make money hand over fist on the people of God about it. There's just something wrong with that. Something's not right about that. Jesus died for you and for me for love's sake. And people with private jets and all this crazy stuff, and you're like, come on. There's people starving. You got your face on the side of a plane? I mean, seriously? In the name of Jesus, who died on a cross for the sins of the people? So just be careful with the merchandising of the gospel. And listen, if you want some anointing oil, just go to anybody who's Italian and ask them to borrow a little bit. So you don't need it, the, the oil's the same from Israel, same you get Italy. It's just oil. You can use canola oil. It's really about the Holy Spirit. The oil's superfluous. 
Okay? Now next, from there, because we saw the altar of incense, of course, we get how to make the incense. Verse 34, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacti and onica and galbanum. Now, I know all of your translations have different words there. Nobody knows what these things are. I honestly, I, I pulled all these notes about all these different spices and everybody has a different, this word means this or it means this. So nobody really knows what any of these things are. Of course, frankincense, we know what it is. That's a normal spice. Everything else was, um, the words could have changed, so we don't really know. There shall be equal amounts of each. Verse 35, you shall make, make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of a perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine, and you shall put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, where I will meet with you, it shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves. According to its composition, it shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from the people. Now, again, we get some of the spices, although we don't know exactly what they were, but it was a certain fragrant smell that the Lord desired for his incense, it's an equal part, again, according to the art of the perfumer, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Now, notice in verse 35, you shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of a perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. Now, salt, of course, we know is a preserving agent. In that culture, they didn't have ice boxes, so if they got a piece of meat, they would write salt on it so that the salt would stay. If you're ever uh, doing survival training in the wilderness and you bring meat with you, you can rub salt on it. It'll last a little bit longer if you don't. But notice, salted, pure, and holy. Salted, pure, and holy. Jesus said, you shall be the salt of the earth. The idea is that the people of God are meant to be a preserving agent in the world. That's one of our jobs. A preservative keeps something from decaying. That's what it does. That's why when you buy something, it's got all sorts of preservatives in it. So it gets sit on the shelf in Freddy's for a long, long time until you buy it. It'll still taste good when you get it. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the jobs of the people of God is to be a preserving agent for the world in which we live. Oftentimes, it says that our, our, our words should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's why we shouldn't let coarse jesting or coarse words proceed from our mouth. Because our mouth should be a fountain of blessing that's a preserving agent in the world. Not only should it be salted, it should be pure and holy. We should be pure as the Lord our God is pure. That word pure literally means unmixed. That's what purity is. It means without mixture. So God wants us to be unmixed, pure, undefiled, and holy, which we've talked about a lot. The idea means to be set apart for the Lord. And again, once again, don't make any of this incense for yourself. This is something special just for the Lord. Now listen, there are certain things in your life that should just be for the Lord. Jesus is real. God doesn't want his things to be merchandised. The people of Israel were warned not to fabricate anointing oil, and people do the same thing with Jesus. 
Pastor Daniel warned us not to fall prey to people trying to make money by using the name of Jesus. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share how workmanship differs greatly among people. It's okay. Not only is it good, but the Father created each of us uniquely. We'll find out how to embrace that next time. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled Tabernacle. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.